Hi everyone, my name's Simon Fazio and welcome to the first episode of Season 3 of Radio Cuddleman. Uh, over the next few weeks and months, I'll be bringing you performances and discussions with some of my favourite artists recorded right here uh, in my bedroom in Northcote. Uh, if you are new to the program, uh, head over to cuddleman.com and you can find two seasons of uh, chat about songwriting and performances from people like Jarrow, Dan Kelly, Emma Rusak, uh, Palm Springs, Sarah Mary Chadwick. Uh, they're all great, and I really, really love doing these programs, so I'm excited to uh, to bring you another season of great stuff. And also, we're very excited to be partnering with a brand new podcast network this season. It's called Earbuds, and it's a collection of a whole host of different programs uh, that are based right here in Melbourne. So uh, head over to our Facebook page or over to Earbuds. Um, link will be in the description, I believe. Uh, but this week, uh, one of my very, very kind of newest and dearest friends... Uh, that I've come to know over the next, uh, well, the last six months or so. Uh, his name's Liam Lindley. You might be familiar with him from bands like The Bowers. Uh, he is releasing his debut EP this uh, this year, and it's called In the Course of Love. He plays three tracks, uh, two of which are from that EP, and one's from a brand new recording that won't be released for a little while. Uh, we talked about a whole lot of things, uh, including uh, some of his influences, working with Phil Gianfrido in The Bowers, who's now Jackie Winter, old uh, podcast guest. And uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a free-ranging, free-ranging chat, free-wheeling chat. Don't know, one of the two. Uh, but it's a really, really beautiful session, and um, it's a great honor to kick off this season uh, with Liam. So, without further ado, uh, this is Liam Lindley live on Radio Cuddleman. night long they're soaking cherries in rum stacked in jars leaving the cupboard for a month glasses clink still laughing after 40 years hard to think as we sit next door in our stink Frank, Dean and Bing through the walls we heard them sing Our Christmas talk And what the year had brought The silent nights Turned into weeks and months of spite Nick's appearing on your skin The rust had truly settled in Are we calling time? Shall we die on the vine? Ah, just keeping distance between what is said and left implied. Ah, words are blunt but silence rings and lays everywhere in our things. Sat for years around the mark Now I want you more 
I want you even more than I thought But when you come by It feels like it's been years Every time I fill my fork With every pregnant pause Lying to our friends Is where it starts, it doesn't end Are we calling time? Shall we die on the vine? I'm just keeping distance between What is said and left implied I'm Words are blunt but silence rings And lays everywhere in our things great thank you uh liam thank you for coming to the show thanks for having me thanks for having me simon um that was your first single soaking cherries yep um what i like about that song um is okay is songs about kind of seeing people you shouldn't be seeing is that what's kind of, is that what it's kind of about um no it's not uh it's not no it, it um it, it's was a it's one of those songs that's a composite story of things that never happened okay. in my life um but there's frag well when i say composite like there's fragments of things like i live in a small apartment and to me the song is about kind of there's elements of fomo in it okay. you know <laughs> um there's a bit of grass is greener going on and um it's it speaks of kind of loss and an acceptance of a broken down relationship and and when i wrote it that wasn't had nothing to do with me yeah um so yeah it was just one of those things like i got pretty deep on the feelings of it when i was writing it but um i'm not sure where it came from i think one of the ideas came from the the first first kind of speaks of hearing someone in an apartment next door yeah having a really good time and then you're just wondering like why can't i make my thing work so good (laughs) how do they how do they do it yeah um that's 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 kind of the narrative of the story. Um, but there's no, in, in my version of it, um, there's no adultery. But I like, I like, um, I like when people can make their own meaning about some. Yeah, well, I mean, it feels like a lot of the action's happening like off, off camera. Yeah, yeah. With this one. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that's why it could be, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's, it's not like overtly like about, kind of like, uh, we, it, you get the sort of imagery at the start was like, oh, you're hearing something like the, the sound of the, the grates through the wall kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And uh, we're sitting here like, like, like it's, I don't know, just yeah. something, something's happening, but I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's like the ambiguity I, I find really compelling in that song. Yeah. And I think, I think that happens with a, a, a lot in life. Like you don't, you, you see a lot of what happens in someone else's relationship or, how someone is on the surface, whether that be through what you see on Instagram or 
Facebook of someone's life or how they present in public and it's just always so so different um, to what the reality is and I think that it's very easy to slip into that mentality of someone else's life is perfect and what the fuck's going with mine yeah you know, um, yeah it's a it's a it's a dark path to go down I don't, I, I'm not sure whether we want to keep on going through, down through that dark path <laughs> to do a conversation uh, I have a tendency to do that oh, I love it let's just see where this goes uh, but that was the first song you've chosen to put out uh, yeah. at, under your own name yep. uh, why was that the first one you decided to put out because it's not typically kind of like a like a it's a it's it's probably my favourite of your songs mm-hmm. and I'm, gl- I'm so glad you put it out but it doesn't, it's not necessarily like the, the most um, like look at me. Yeah, it's not a real banger. That's no, not a, yeah. yeah. Well, it's a banger, but it's a, it, a banger and it's kind of, it's a in reserved. Yeah, it, yeah. You have to kind of let it in and then it reveals itself yep. rather than like it's it's grabbing you. Mm-hmm. Apartment's a beautiful vocal. but So why was that one the one you chose to put out first? Um, I think I was just feeling that, I just felt like the, connected to it mostly, not necessarily personally. I just, I don't know, I, I I've actually got really no idea. Um, but I also kind of feel like I've got a couple of other songs on the EP that I'm going to put out that are more rocky songs. And and I feel like this was a good introduction to what I'm doing and what I see myself doing more musically. I, I feel that's, that's what I feel. And, um, and I wrote, that was the song that I wrote the furthest time ago. Is that is the right language? And, um, and I still feel connected to it. Whereas sometimes, you know, even a new song that you've only had for a couple of months, sometimes I'll just like lose connection with that. You get sick of it, but I'm still, I still like that song a lot. And um, so I feel like it stood the, te- the test of time in my short attention span. So that's a good thing. How long is, if that's the oldest one or the, the yeah. um, how long have these songs been kicking around for? Uh, I recorded the EP in 2016. So I reckon that one probably, I probably wrote Soaking Cherries in late 2016. 15 okay. I reckon and then I recorded them last year and now they're starting to come out so it's been kicking around for a bit I probably pl- yeah I probably started playing it really late around Christmas 2015 I reckon were the Bowers I guess the Bowers are still kind of the, not um, not so active at the moment yeah. but still still a thing yeah we haven't played for a while I, actually I ran into Joe this morning he was um, we had a coffee up the street um, Joe the drummer from the Bowers um we're, yeah, we're, we're not doing anything. At, look, we haven't rehearsed or played for a long time, but we're not. We're still a, we're still a band. We're still all mates. And um, if someone asks us to do shows, we'll probably do it. Yeah. yeah. But we're all. Everyone in that band is now a front person, front man in another band. So, um, you know, there's too many too many divas in one band. <laughs> <laughs> one of the people in that band was is Phil yeah. Gianfredo, mm-hmm. who has been on the podcast yeah. before. Um, and I think maybe I was listening to an interview where you said like he kind of taught you how to write yeah. a song in a way. So what were some of the first kind of uh, kind of little lessons or things that you got from him? Yeah, that, um, that sort of put you on your way as to. I went through a big apprenticeship with Phil, and I probably still you know feel like I'm in my final years. That <laughs> maybe that's never going to end. Um, but yeah, he or he's one of his things is always he does his thing where. Because we used to go, um, I used to go to his house in North Melbourne a lot, and we'd just spend afternoons writing songs together. Or and it was often actually him writing, and I would just follow what he was doing. And or or sometimes he would just get and sit me to. Um, he would just say, just start playing stuff while he was setting up, and then he'd be like, all right, let's let's do something around that. 
he's just got a really good ear for stuff. But one of the things that he does that I picked up on really early was not to try and go for the obvious chord change. And that can lead to a bit of banging your head against the wall, but I think it opens your ears up to not go to the thing that necessarily sounds right because you've heard it before. It's more like it feels right, even though it might take a few goes until it stops sounding a little bit weird, mm. or if that that makes any sense. But yeah, definitely not trying to go for something a bit more compelling than the obvious chord change and feels a really real master of melody I think and he's yeah he doesn't sing boring melodies and I think that's that is probably the most compelling thing in a song for me is melody so you and Phil kind of are doing different things right now yep um, you're playing with a group a new group yep. of musicians yep um, so on the EP that's coming out which I believe is titled In the Course of Love it is yeah um, who appears on that record um, well Kit Warhurst he, so he, he plays drums on it um, he used to be the drummer in the bowels and he's most famous for rocket science um he did drums so i kind of recorded i demoed the ep pretty hard and then i just got people in as needed I, it was a very closed writing project and then i just brought people in as needed and cj who plays in my band now he played bass on it um cj rhodes he used to play with lisa mitchell's band what and he's done he's done heaps of work over the years um and jimmy saunders He's got a, his own band called Color Bomb, um, but he used to he plays in Courtier's band whenever I don't know when the last time Courtier was here, but he was part of that Australian touring band with him um, playing playing keys and guitars. Um, and I got Sessie Dowling, so I used to play in a folk sort of harmony band called Hoy, and Sessie we um, was a viola player in that band. Um, she played a couple of guest vocalists. Then and Nick Huggins played some stuff. He re, he produced it and he played pianos and I think he pl- probably did some guitar. We we're we're both big guitar heads. Like wouldn't say nerds, but we just love cool guitar sounds. You love some old guilds. Love like guilds, guild, yeah. Guilds, you kind of you jam. Yeah, I like them because they're, um, in my opinion, a, a very equal quality to a Gibson and not an equal price tag no vintage but guitar. you've got like a nice a nice jumbo kind of a pete townsend yeah. kind of yeah kind of kind of thing or, going on this one um i was inspired one of my first my first songwriting hero um was uh, and still is tim rogers from your my and he has one of these guitars and so i used to when i was in wangaratta that's where i grew up um and you know watching clips of those guys or seeing photos and stuff and thinking, that is a sick looking guitar. I don't see that many of them around. One day I'm going to get one of them. And I saw one on eBay. I'm like, that's mine. Um, yeah. Mm. They're cool. Do you remember the first song that came out of this guitar? Or, um, or one of the first, maybe? Oh, yeah. I reckon one of the first ones that came out, I wrote a song for Hoy called Get Some Sleep. And that we put that out on a record. And I reckon that was one of the ones I wrote. And... It was, my, it was a song that wasn't really laboured over at all. Some, some, I don't know if that happens with you, but sometimes you just get a real gift of a song and it just fell out really quickly. Yeah. And then, like, the words fell out and everything was, like, cool. It was writ- written in a, in a night. And um, that's probably only happened to me a couple of times. Um, 
and that I reckon that was the first one I wrote on this guitar. Do you think those are the best songs, the ones that kind of just fall out, or are you skeptical? Are you um? Oh, sorry, I'll let you. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, like we were talking before about like, like you're not sure what this song is, and yeah. like sometimes things come too easily, and you're like, mm, that mu- it's got to be something else. Yes, and it's I've not. I definitely had that, and I had that with this, and because with Get Some Sleep, because it was, you know, it was very simple chord progression. Um, but I think it's more the feeling that it just feels kind of right. And um, I, yeah, I kind of played it to a few people. It's like, is this something else? And they're like, oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're, if they're necessarily the best ones, but it's so nice because sometimes songs that have a really good part or you've got a really great part and you just can't work it into anything, um, that's a real shit. <laughs> I've got one of them with um, with the Liam Lindley band at the moment that um, Phil and I had been working on for years, probably of many, many years. We just We kept going back to it. It's like, this is going to be a cool song one day. We never got it. And I played it and Phil was like, I got a stage and Phil's like, yeah, I still don't think that song's kind of there. I was like, yeah, I know. It's, I'm just doing it. It's done. It has to be done someday. Yeah. <laughs> Are you um, someone who's like particularly disciplined about like uh, sitting down to write or like you feel like you need to pick it up every day or just kind of ride the wave when it comes yeah probably a bit of both I, I definitely feel like the rewards come if I work hard for it so I try and write a whole bunch of crap words in the morning I know that a lot of people do that as a discipline just some sort of free association a couple of pages in the morning um and and yeah I pick up the guitar a lot like phones filled with notes mm. and notes and voice recordings um and then i just listen to them on the way to work and then sort of write songs in my head and things fall i think that sort of streamline is a terrible word for writing a song but it streamlines the process of writing songs because yeah. um you kind of yeah it's just cobbling bits and pieces together but yeah i i think i, I go in in waves where i'm quite you know, the ideas are flowing, but I feel like I've got to do it all the time to get those moments. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big distinction I've noticed with with songwriters. Some people are just, you know, I'm going to write like an album in a couple of months or something like that and they just go and do it. Whereas other people, it's just, it's a, like a daily discipline. Yeah. I think, yeah, it depends on who you are. Kind yeah. Thing. It's, sometimes people need to be, like oh, I'm gonna find some time like every day. I'm gonna sit down and something might come out, something might not. Yeah. And then if you try to force it, sometimes it's just like banging. That's right. The wall. Yeah. Yeah, because like, eh, yeah, like, and most of the ideas are just crap anyway. And it's like, oh well, whatever. Mm. But you got to, yeah. Don't I don't beat myself up about it. It's kind of recognizing which ones are <laughs> crap and not. <laughs> Do you find yourself more more inspired when particular things are going on in your life, or or um, can you draw any parallels between like when certain you're when in certain, shit's going down, when shit's going yeah. down? Do you feel like like particularly charged or uh, kind of? Yeah, probably. Oh, honestly, sometimes a hangover is not bad for writing, <laughs> um, but I th- yeah, obviously you get pretty good material that I don't really subscribe to the tortured artist theory I don't not yeah. that into that this is something I always struggle with because I'm, I'm kind of like 
It's like I'm I'm a big Wilco fan. Yep. And I me too. This, this is oh, like it, it's it pains me to say like they've been around for a long time. And you, you look at the stuff like he's like a comfortable dad now. He's got his dad bod. <laughs> I, all the last records have been like pretty good, but like none of it's like quite as like Yankee Hotel Fox. Yeah, as yeah. like you know he's strung out on opioids and it's not as good, is it? Well, he's one that doesn't subscribe to that theory. No, he, he doesn't. But maybe the proof's in the pudding. Yeah. Um, and I, look, honestly, like the even like the worst Wilco albums are kind of like it's like you you dream to be able to write like mm. a collection of songs like that that good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I don't know. I'm still, I'm just gonna get to the bottom of this one. I think it's, yeah, I think it's a good thing to keep asking it. And I, my response to that, which is, I don't agree with it, is probably as much as I don't want to agree with it, um, because I think that you can probably train yourself to just be a better and better songwriter. However, if you do have some shit going on, you've got some pretty ready-made material. Um, I think I mean, if you subscribe to it, then you probably it's like it's almost a self fulfilling prophecy. You're kind of like if you believe that's a, that's a thing, then it probably will inevitably become the thing because you you, you yeah. think that. But yeah, well, I, I think and I, I with my stuff like the song that I just played then sounds kind of like a breakup song, but it wasn't even that. Um, and I think songwriters need to have an element. Of, or when you're writing a song, you need to have some kind of empathy, especially if you're doing this sort of storytelling vibe, or you, you know, you're, tell, you're telling a story, and that means that you've you pick up on other people's stuff and you listen to what's going on around around you, um, and that stuff that's like you you channel things around you, and that doesn't necessarily have to mean that you've had this bad stuff happen to you. Yeah. You know? That's that's what I like to think because I want to keep writing songs forever and I don't want to have sad things no, in my life that I have to that has to happen for me to write them. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, can I get you to play a second song? Yeah. Uh, what are you going to play for us next? Well, this is going to this is called um, the Course of Love. Um, I'm going to have to tune for it. That's okay. Um, the, uh, yeah, and this one for you know, funnily enough, what, from what we we're just talking about, this one is actually. As far as my songs go, they're probably the most um, directly related to myself and something that happened to me, which is not usually what I write about. But this one, this is another one that fell out really quickly and um, just kind of happened in a day or two. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, or maybe tune. tune up. What, what tuning is this in? Uh, well, all, my guitar is already tuned down a step and... Um, and this is kind of like open C, I guess, I think. It's really loose and the strings get real flammy. I kind of I found that it suited my vocals, singing, having my guitar a bit lower. Start 
May you stay in the course of love I don't want to mess around I'm not going to revel in these downs Wear my sadness like a crown Stained in the course of love Convince myself to stay on the banks when I'm sick of it all When do I want to dive back into the thick of it all I'm losing sleep Like a bruise I'm proud to keep Made in the course of love I hope you've made a good start I know you've got a golden heart I held it sometime in the past When we lay in the course of love Convince myself to stay on the banks when I'm sick of it all When do I want to dive back into the thick of it all Without giving too much away, what was going on <laughs> with when you were writing that one? Um, well, that was a yeah breakup song, obviously, um, and yeah, it was sort of um, it was a breakup without going into therapy mode. Um, that you know, it's, it's obviously sad, but um, 
it's not an angry song. It's kind of a, I, I love you. Have a, I, it's, it's let's have a good breakup song. That's yeah. what that's what it is. Um, and it's about trying not to be bitter and letting go and and trying to be a good person um, to your ex partner and hoping that they can do the same for you. Did you write it with the intention that the other party would would hear it? Or uh, I don't think she would have heard. She no, she definitely wouldn't have heard it. I'm going to show it to her because I'm going to I'm going to release it, and um, so I definitely will. Um, and I think yeah, it, it was a good song for me to write. It felt like a good letting go song, and I kind of feel a little bit self conscious playing it live because it does sound kind of. It's, it sounds saddy cakes, and I think that that can make people feel uncomfortable at gigs sometimes. But um, I I feel good about playing because I don't feel sad when I'm singing it. I feel it's like a it's a loving gesture. That's that's what it means to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So is that one going to be on the EP? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, um, uh, so that one, Soaking Cherries. Yeah. That, yeah. Of course, the love, which is the song. Yeah. It's the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is, yeah. It, is it eponymous? What's eponymous mean? That's, is that self-titled? Uh, well, I, I don't know. know. It's, it's the title track. Epididymous. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So the, uh, the EP is going to be called In the Course of Love and that song is going to be called, it is called The Course of Love. Do you feel like all the, the songs are kind of thematically linked on, on the, uh, on the record? Or? I reckon there's a bit of. Well, I'm going to use a word that I don't really use, post hoc. Um, <laughs> thematic, thematizing. <laughs> There's two words that I don't know. Yeah. Um, a little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah, there's a couple of sort of breakup-ish songs and um, they're all, that's kind of just what I think about is not only my own life and relationships, but that's, I'm kind of obsessed with feelings and um people's interpersonal relationships and stuff that's it's kind of that's my songwriting bag um i'm not a real political person i just believe in um yeah i'm just into people i suppose and i find them fascinating <laughs> But nothing, nothing you write is necessarily too, um, too literal or overtly like this is like, like you know, it's not like you're sketching out a scene where you can. It's just kind of, sort of, metaphors and sort of strands and imagery and that kind of that kind of stuff. I, yeah. I, I don't know how to write that kind of song. How do you write that kind of song? Um, well, that, for that one, to me, kind of feels really literal because that's how it feels to me. But I'm glad you said that. Um, ah, uh, I don't know. I kind of. I like collecting quotes and stuff. I've always found them really funny because they cut to the heart of something um, in, you know, few words, I suppose. And I think that that's what good songs, that's what I try and do with songs is present something that you can have a feel about what it is, but it's it's there's a level of ambiguity there without being so obtuse that, there's nothing to sort of grab a hold of. Yep. And I think the guy you mentioned before, Wil- Wilco, Jeff Tweedy, he's like the ultimate master at that. It's like you get a vibe from it and you can get an inkling about what it might be about to him. But I reckon I've heard interviews with him and he, he never reveals what songs are about no. um, because he says it's up, it's up to you really. Um, and and I, th- I think I like 
I like that idea. Um, but yeah, I think I know. Like, think I think any painting or poetry or any sort of artwork is able to offer that, um, you know, thing to the to the viewer or the listener mm. their their own ability to have some space to interpret things or make it a part of their own life for them to understand. Yeah. Well, we're talking about away from a housemate to... I think she's like... Yeah. Yep, that was wooden door before screen door. (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about uh, Robin Hitchcock before, who is like completely uh, of of the kind of... There's there's barely anything that's like... Maybe these more political songs are more sort of overtly... Like, this is Mm. what this is about. But like his sense of like sort of... Most surreal, his kind of imagery. What do you, what do you like about Robin Hitchcock's songwriting? Oh, I'm such a fan of him, and he and he is actually really political. Um, I've met him a couple of times, and he's he's got on a couple of rants. Um, but I love his. Well, he's kind of surrealist, and I, I don't feel like I'm a surrealist songwriter, but he he is that, and um. But there's a depth there. It's just not it's not done for shits and giggles. Mm. Um, I think he's very deliberate about his stuff. And he writes a lot about food. Like he has yeah. a lot of food things in his songs. And I saw him playing at the Northwood Social Club earlier in the year and he mentioned, he was talking about that he writes about food and he, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was, he explained it in a way that made it sound really important and serious that it's like, food's fucking important um you know i'm not doing it to be funny um and i i don't know what it is about him that i like but um i suppose i'm I'm often i'm always really into british songwriters that's um they've got a they've got a sort of dry wit about them um yeah and and robin he just kind of plays I particularly love his acoustic records. Um, it's just right down to the essence. And he's a great melody writer. Um, yeah, and he's just a bit of a whacker. I remember the first time I listened to his record called I, which is still my favourite. I was listening on the way to the work and I was like, what is this? And I, I, I downloaded it because I was really into that Graham Coxon record, um, The Spinning Top. I don't know if you've heard that. I haven't heard that one. Um, and, and I think he got Robin to play on it. So I was just like, I need more of this. Who played on this? And um, I was like, okay, Robin Hitchcock, never heard of him. Download. Um, and then I was like, what is this? I kind of hate it, but I sort of like it as well. And then I just got hooked. Um, mm. I can't remember my way, I, the way I got into Robin Hitchcock. I think it, I think it might have even been through Wilco. It might have been that like, yep. uh, that, that Wilco did that record with uh, maybe Scott McCaw, who he plays in, he played in his band with, uh, Peter Buck, and yes, all that stuff, and then I was like, "Oh, okay, I got to." That's gotta right. Check this out, and um, like then, then eventually got into Soft Boys and all that, all that kind of stuff. But, that's um, the connection, because I met Robin at a cross dressing night. Um, Laura and Brulia puts on this drag country night, and um, which I think is coming up on September third. It is, it's yeah, coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, yep. Um, and she. And I was like, Laura Robin's on. And so I was so stoked to play. And so I met him. We were wearing, both wearing dresses. And um, and I was just about to go to England a few days later. And I wanted to do some recording over there. So I was like, Robin, um, 
first of all, can I cover your song Century? It's like, yeah, I don't, I sort of forgot about that song. And then I, I started chewing his ear off about sounds and gear and stuff. And, and then I quickly realized that's not really his Not thing. at all, no. Not at all. And so I was like, do you know anyone, like, who, who can I go and record with? Can you hook me up? And um, he put me onto a friend of his who he'd done lots of work with. Um, his name's Charlie Francis and he lives down in, in Cardiff in Wales. And um, he, I think he recorded or was part of that group that you were talking about with Peter Buck. Um, uh, and I think Tweedy was involved. Yeah, the minus five, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a good scene. Mm. Uh, speaking of recording in the America, you've, d- you've done a little bit of that. I did. Uh, yeah. Um, in New York, was it? Yep. Uh, well, who you were, what were you doing down there? Well, I went on a holiday and um, I hadn't been on a holiday without music ever in my adult life. And, um, and so... I just went on a holiday. I thought New York. I wanted to go somewhere that wasn't. Mm, I wasn't going to have sort of a language barrier, but also wanted to have a bit of a cultural shock, and um, that sounded like, seemed like the perfect place. And I, a friend who lives over there, her and her husband run a recording studio, and it's, uh, Phil's recorded there too. Um, he did some of the Jackie Winder stuff, and uh, it's just down in, in a basement in the East Village. Um, we recorded straight to tape um, and yeah my friend Rathio I was having a wine with her when I first got to New York and I said um, do she goes are you going to do any music while you're here and I was like nah she goes well do you want a guitar to take around with you while you're just and I was like okay just give me a shittest guitar and then um, her husband rolled up and she's <laughs> like ah oh, um Liam wants to borrow a guitar and I said just just give me the crappiest one and um, they gave me this 1950s Gibson and I'm sort of is it like a big gold top uh, like a gold uh, like semi like semi-acoustic I did semi-acoustic play that one but I'm not I think I saw is Erica was Erica yeah Erica recording the studio okay, as well yep. alright um, but no this was an acoustic guitar and I and, you know I was going home on the train drunk and I got lost like I was in deep Queens when I wasn't meant to be there and I was like oh this guitar um, and in this beautiful old brown case it just looked expensive I just mm. fell under threat um, but anyway so I just kept I had that guitar with me and so I wrote a couple of songs and um, recorded them there I hadn't recorded the tape for ages that was really fun um, and I haven't heard them since I left so they're not mixed but I do plan to go back there um, this year and hopefully have another four tracks and just have an EP that was recorded down there. Yeah. Um, because, because I can. <laughs> <laughs> because I want to. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know, it's nice. It, and it's, I, I've never recorded a tape before, so I'm like, I imagine it's like, it's, you know, it's a different process to like recording to like this multi-track. Yeah, I've, I forgot. Kind of yeah, it's, it's just kind of, the, the takes had to really count and, there wasn't like a whole series of tracks underneath that I could choose from. I was just mm. like, I felt there was a, a sort of an economy in the way I played. And um, yeah, I think I did. I think I did pretty well. Um, yeah, it's quite, quite scary. And it just sound, sounds good. It does sound great. Yeah. Mm. Can I talk you into doing one more song? Yeah. yeah. Let, let me just tune back. Anyway, I'll, um, one of the ones I did in America. Okay. Oh, mm. so w- what's the... Um What's the song you're going to play for us lastly? Yeah, the song's called The Sounds Of... It's a long title. The Sounds Of The Charms Of Our Lives. Um, yeah. It's set in... 
Captain America. So this is one of the ones that you now play in a full band arrangement. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah playing a full band arrangement. And I recorded it again solo, but I'll do a full band version one day. Yeah. Um, here goes. I'll turn your verb back on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you verbed up. Yeah. Oh, it's luscious. Shrapnel shaking up and down Another wink, another smile, I'm on the brink I've got a handle on how it's planned, I think Drifting lightly to the beat The city's feet Tap and shuffle off the street Another wink, another smile there on the brink It's the charms of their lives rattle and clink The first time that I felt the pinch Was something or someone that I couldn't clinch Dressed up in diamonds and gold The chink and jangle echoes through my soul I'm impressed you can hear through the mile I could deaf to the sounds of the charms of our lives Charms mean none On your back under the sun And through the trees Again I feel a thrust Of the city until the summer turns to rust The first time that I felt the pinch Was something or someone that I couldn't clinch And they dressed up in diamonds and gold The chink and jangle echoes through my soul I'm impressed you can hear through the mile I could deaf to the sounds of the charms of our lives
Thank you. That's it. Cool. That's a great show. Do we, need, do we have to do a photo or anything? How do you present it? Uh, yeah. Thanks again to uh, Liam for doing that wonderful session. Uh, I really, really love all of the songs and uh, what, what an honour it is to kick off season three with, with those tunes. Um, so, for more, well, you can do a number of things. This podcast, you'll probably notice, has no advertising on it. Uh, so that what you need to do is head over to Liam Lee's Facebook page and his Bandcamp, buy a copy of his debut single, Soaking Cherries. Uh, like his page. Come and see us play. Actually, we're playing a gig together in Belgrave, if you're listening to this at the time of release. Saturday, September 2. Uh, my band, your band, and Liam Lindley. And uh, also, Do Good, another old podcast friend. So, um, if you're in Belgrave, come and see us play. Support Liam. Or live music. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, we'll see you next week. I have uh, a few people coming in over the next few weeks, including, but not limited to, uh, Jim Laurie, Closet Straits, one of my favourite dudes, Alex Lashley's coming in, uh, Romy Vega from RVG, Emma Russick's going to come in and do another session. Cult, you're from Cult. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, go to radiocuttleman.com, check out Earbuds. I'm really excited to be recording this again. What a great time it is to be alive. Um, I'll see you next week. My name's Simon Fazio. Goodbye. Earbuds, Melbourne's podcast network. Earbudsnetwork.com.